Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello. Hello. I'm Craig Fields. And I'm David Long. And you're listening to week 54 of Is It Worth It? The film review podcast where we've gone out of our way to watch some new films and as many of them as we possibly could this week, (laughs) even some of the bad ones. And you have to wait and see if they're bad. So you, the listener, don't have to. Indeed we have. Dear Craig, do tell the listeners exactly what we're reviewing today, please. Well, David, we're going to be kicking the show off with a Netflix movie called Moxie. Amy Poehler returns to the directing seat for her second feature in the role, adapting a novel by Jennifer Matthew. We're then heading over to Prime Video or Netflix, depending on your region, for I Care A Lot, starring Rosamund Pike, Peter Dinklage, Isa Gonzalez and Diane Weist. We're then hopping over to Sky Cinema in the UK or Hulu in the US for the United States versus Billie Holiday starring Andre Day. And she won the, the Globe right, David, didn't she? she? She did indeed, and we will certainly discuss that further in just a bit. But another movie we're reviewing is from Netflix, and it's Pele, a Netflix original feature documentary delving into Pele and his incredible career, directed by David Trihorn and Ben Nicholas. Then it's off to Prime Video again for Coming to America. Oh, I see what they did there with the two. <laughs> and two. <laughs> Um, well done, Craig. It's a play on that original one, isn't it? It is indeed, um, yes. Which was also entitled Coming To America, America. without the digit number two, uh, yes. Yeah. Um, so Eddie Murphy reprises <laughs> his role as Prince Akeen in the sequel directed by Craig Brewer. And finally, Disney Plus released Flora and Ulysses, starring Matilda Lawler, Alison Hannigan and Ben Schwartz. Lovely jubbly. Uh, David my turn today to go first and asking exactly <laughs> how you might be i'm good mr fields i'm clean well not quite clean shaven i, I shaved you're, the- say you're just clean <laughs> yeah i've just I'm, had a shower for the first time in months no mops flip-flops <laughs> no not this week Who? um <laughs> i am clean shaven the beard the four-month beard which my colleagues wanted to become a year which is a play on words for a year-long beard if you didn't get that um has come off I was completely clean-shaven, beard and head, so I look like Lord Voldemort, um, but the stubble is coming back. But I'm well. I'm very, very busy um, watching lots of films. You don't look like Lord Voldemort. I I, I mean, mean, he had some kind of, you know, plastic surgery on his nose, (laughs) and your nose looks perfectly fine. It's a little bit crooked, but there's uh, there's a reason behind that, but we won't go into it. <laughs> the old boxing days. Um, um, yeah, all right. <laughs> Craig, how are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. We've had some... Well, I've got some interesting topics for the start of the show, uh, one of which is that we had a thief. I heard about this. <laughs> um, we caught a thief on our ring doorbell. Now, if any of you have or know of a ring doorbell, it's those uh, video camera doorbells that um, people press the button and it comes up on your phone and it plays a ding dong in the house if you've got the 
thingy majiggy that mm. goes in the house as well. And um, you can actually talk to the person on the other end, but it also has like a sensor in it and it picks up when people walk past the door. And at one point it did do that. And we're quite secluded despite being in the city centre, um, mm. tucked away behind things. So you don't tend to get many people ever walking past that flat unless it was yeah. one of our neighbours. I don't tend to look at it. Um, but this time I decided to look at it when it said that somebody had walked past, um, like a motion was detected and there was just this random bloke with a face mask on with a backpack and and an iPad in hand. And he looked like an estate agent and he just walked past that flat and you could see him looking into next door's flat. Okay. That's a bit weird Mm. looking in through the window, a bit dodgy. Um, and then he sort of turns, looks up, see if anyone was watching him. And then he turns around, looks at some plants that are sort of not been planted up yet, picks them up and walks off. Unbelievable scenes. It is. And the (laughs) the neighbours have gone quite mad with it all. Um, Honestly, it is bad. Like, you know, a thief is a thief at the end of the day. It. He did. He stole two plants and another two plants from another neighbour down the other end. Blimey. I know, plant thief enough, eh? Um, but they've sort of put posters up on the front door as you come in. Plant thief, your police have been reported. They all, oh they, yeah, exactly. And you know what? I hope the police do catch him. I, um, I wonder what his garden's like. Do you reckon he has the most elaborate garden in the UK? <laughs> just the full, secret garden. The secret garden, just full of stolen plants. It very well could be. It very you're well gonna could come, be. You're gonna next week. You're gonna see him digging up a tree on the uh, on the on the camera. <laughs> I think it's anything that he can sort of pick up. It's like a yeah. kleptomaniac. You know, they just pick up things like a some sort of what are those birds that get attracted to like shiny things? Shiny stuff. It's. Um, Magpies, I believe. Magpies. It was like a magpie, but for plants. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's what that's an, that's one interesting thing to have happened. Almost. I mean, it's mm. not really that interesting, is it? Um, it's pretty cool. But the next thing that's it's pretty cool. It's this really is cool. This is outrageous. It is. So we all know that uh, recently uh, NASA placed another rover on Mars, and about three years ago, maybe I signed up. I, I bought a ticket. I say I bought. It's free. Um, mm. Anyone could have done it. Uh, it was. It was. It was. I think you know only ten thousand people, maybe more, could do this. Um, but you could buy a ticket to have your name sent to Mars. Unbelievable. Yeah. So currently, my name is on Mars. <laughs> um, yeah. So basically, they've they've. Um, what's the word that I'm looking for? They've etched my name onto a microprocessor, which is then <laughs> put onto <laughs> this new Mars rover that is roaming around Mars. So Craig Fields is on Mars right now, ladies and gentlemen. This is the most Craig Fields thing ever. Regular listeners will know Craig loves his technology, but for Craig to be engraved on some sort of microchip on a robot on Mars is truly extraordinary. I was hoping that I'd be recording from Pluto because they <laughs> um, they actually, they did offer me the space, um, but actually, unfortunately, to test various functions out of the place that they've got um, yeah. because they are so cool that they're implementing some new technology, which I can't actually reveal what it is yet, but they wanted me to test drive it, but it, it, it basically didn't happen. So I would have yeah. had my voice coming from Pluto and my name on Mars. Mars. Is um, there anywhere this man has not gone in the solar system? <laughs> um, <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, I mean, oh, I'm so happy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But um, other than that, one other thing that I did want to mention that happened today. 
Oh, wow. Um, I had a blood test um, oh. at my local hospital uh, in St. Albans, St. Albans City Centre Hospital. Um, and it was it was so manic in the sense that there were so mm. many people wanting to get blood tests. And I just wanted to give a shout out to Sam. Sam was the guy who was patrolling the people coming in, giving them tickets, getting them seated in the right place, that they're not going to be sitting next to people. So it's all socially distanced. And if there's too many people, we'd say, nope, you can't come in. You've got to mm. wait. And like so many people were coming in wanting a blood test. that It must have been unbearable for this guy yeah. to, to handle. And he handled it so well. And... Um, I said thank you to him on the way out. I like I said you're doing a great job. Keep it up, like honestly. Mm. Um, and all the people, all the nurses and everything were fantastic. There was only four nurses taking the blood, and there was hundreds and hundreds. I'm not even kidding you. Hundreds yeah. of people wanting a blood test. And um, within half an hour, I got in. I had a blood test, and I was out again. And it was all so well done. So Sam, he's the only name that I managed to get. Thank you. I'm sure you're probably not listening, but thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone at the St. Albans City Hospital and, and all of the NHS Trust hospitals around the UK for doing such an amazing job um, under these unprecedented times. Um, yeah, totally agree with that sentiment. David, you've got some film news, haven't you? Well, yes, the award season is going absolutely crazy at the moment. We had the Golden Globes last Sunday, and I thought I would give our lovely listeners just a brief Golden Globes roundup. And the first thing to say is that the pandemic-era Golden Globes sunk to 6.9 million viewers, down a whopping 64% from 2020, and only barely beating the year a writer's strike forced NBC to show a news conference announcing the writers. So the viewing number were down 64%. And one of the reasons possibly for this, Craig, is the HFPA, which stands for the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, mm. which is the people who vote for the Golden Globes, yep. is undergoing somewhat of a crisis following the revelation that its voting body has zero black members. Um, That's my re- pretty outrageous, really. Yeah, yeah. My research suggested that there's 87 people voting uh, on the panel, so 87 members, no black members since 2002. Scandalous, disgraceful, and frankly laughable, although it is no laughing matter. Um, I don't know how much that contributed to the, to, the, to the drop in numbers. I think the pandemic has meant people can't get to the cinema maybe they've not seen as many films no i Um, think that's a poor excuse to be honest with you because voters should be sent screeners for your consideration they get that for oscars they should get that for the globes as well um i see no reason why any of these voters wouldn't have been able to see most of the films no it's it's the viewing audience the viewing numbers the actual american oh sorry i thought you meant people voting in no, no, numbers. sorry, I should have made that clearer. Yes. Um, the viewing audience, so the general public, it was down 64%. Um, I still don't and, think that's a reason why the, the drop in viewers, though. Yeah, well, potentially not. Um, but the biggest winner um, was probably Nomadland, which took home Best Picture Drama. Um, it's now the odds-on favourite for the Oscar. The surprising thing was, Craig, as you know how much I'm into my betting, yeah. I was following the betting lines incredibly closely. All the money was for the Trial of the Chicago 7, um, suggesting that the Trial of the Chicago 7 would win, but it did not. Mank, Craig, had an absolutely terrible night and went 0 for 6, winning zero of its nominations. 
Um, Chloe Zhao won Best Director, and there's now a very good chance she will sweep this award season, culminating in winning the Oscar come Oscars Sunday. There was a number of surprises in the acting categories, which I'll briefly touch upon. Best Supporting Actress in a Motion Picture went to Jodie Foster for The Mauritanian. She beat Glenn Close, Olivia Coleman, Amanda Seyfried, Helena Zengel. So that was a real, real surprise. I'm really looking forward to watching that, actually. Yes, yeah. Surprisingly, I have done a bit of research on that film. The film itself doesn't actually get glowing reviews, but... um, Great cast, Yeah, oh yeah, superb cast. Um, Secondly, a bit of a shock, but a shock, a shock, a shock, (laughs) that if you follow me on Twitter, I did actually, thanks to Mike One from the Mike, Mike and Oscar podcast, um, predict, um, and it was best performance by an actress in a motion picture, musical or comedy, went to Rosamund Pike. She was 14 to 1, Craig, so she was a real, real outsider. But a film we're going to be touching upon today, and perhaps the biggest surprise of the night, was best performance by an actress in a motion picture, drama um went to andra day for the united states versus billy holiday she was not considered the favorite you had kerry mulligan viola davis francis mcdormand and vanessa kirby um so, so that's a little all round. really really amazing films promising young women who we haven't seen yet or what we haven't seen yet but i really have a strong indication that it's yeah. going to be one of my favorite films of the year yeah Pro, um we've got what else was there in in that sorry well you've got francis mcdormand Fra- nomadland, yeah, nomadland. Um, um vanessa kirby pieces of a woman that was it gone and viola davis marini's black bottom exactly. so like amazing films tremendous and well, I'll tell you what. We can't. I can't wait to bring the review mm. of of uh, United States versus Billy Holiday because I think it's going to be a really interesting one. Yeah, and what I would say, Craig, is perhaps the most moving moment of the night um, came when Taylor Simone Ledwood, who accepted an award on behalf of her late husband Chadwick Boseman, um, gave a speech. Um, it was you know, tear-inducing. The Black Panther star who died last year won a prize for Best Drama Actor for his performance in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and rightly so. Um, The films that won multiple awards were Borat won two, Nomadland won two, and Soul won two. Um, And I do have a couple of notes on the Critics' Choice, which happened this Sunday, so yesterday as we're recording. If yes. you'd like to hear those. <laughs> I, I, I just assumed you were going to reel them off. Keep um, it brief. Keep it brief. Yeah, very brief. I mean, you as have your own critic- show for this. As for the Critics' Choice Award, Nomadland dominated again, winning four awards. Um, best Picture, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay and Best Cinematography. Um, Kerry Mulligan won Best Actress. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Promising Young Woman won a Best Original Screenplay. Amazing. Um, but perhaps the most moving moment was when eight-year-old Alan Kim won his award for Best Young Actor for his role in Minari. He was wearing a little tuxedo and literally burst into tears in the middle of his speech i did actually share that on our social media page um it was a very touching moment and what dream epitomized in my opinion um what dreams are made of and the pga nominations were also out if you're interested in those those are also on our twitter feed fantastic uh thank you for for reading those off and uh, the latest episode of road to the oscars is available on our uh podcast channel um so wherever you get your podcast from search is it worth it the film review podcast i'm assuming that's where you're listening 
to the podcast right now and uh, you will find road to the oscars episode three with andrew morgan from the nomcast and actually yes. we do have a bit of news on that david if you wanted to say anything more yeah, so we're actually going to be doing, hopefully, fingers crossed, touch wood, I'm tapping my head. Um, we're <laughs> going to be doing a crossover with Andrew Morgan from the Nomcast. Um, we're going to be reacting to the Oscar nominations and reviewing, I think, three films with him. So do keep your eyes peeled for our, on our Twitter feed for this crossover. Really excited to work with Andrew again. Craig's going to be joining us. So it's going to be a Nomcast, is it worth it, crossover. So exciting times for the podcast. It is. And... And your next episode of Road to the Oscars, which is exactly what you were going to say, wasn't it? <laughs> you know me so well. My next episode of Road to the Oscars, I have a big guest lined up. Um, I won't reveal who it is yet. I think I'm going to leave that for... Or should I reveal who it is? Yes. It's also Mike from the Mike, Mike and Oscar podcast. We're going to be analysing the Oscar nominations. They come out on Monday, the 15th of March. We're recording a couple of days after that. So look out for that episode at the end of that week. Excellent. Um, emails. We have received an email from the Gaming Bear and it's a I great email. Bear. Me too. He's great. Um, it says, hey, chaps, it's been a while since I reached out to you both. First of all, I hope you are both having a great year so far. You know what? Not too bad. Thanks, Gaming Bear. Thank you, Mr. Bear. Yeah. Uh, you guys have been doing a great job keeping the content flowing in these cinemaless cinemaless times <laughs> <laughs> i don't really have anything poignant to say regarding recent releases although one thing i did want to comment on after recently watching ma rainey's black bottom is just how impressive chadwick boseman was as an actor yeah. the film wasn't quite what i was expecting in that it takes place over the course of several hours but boseman was fantastic throughout as the ambitious uh, lively but troubled Levy. Uh, it's such a shame we won't get to see him apply his talents to more exciting and diverse roles, but he has no doubt left a wonderful legacy, not just as an actor, but as a human being. Mm. I also watched Greenland recently as well. It's a relatively typically typical end of the world stuff, but I did feel it balanced the human story with the overall narrative or to put more accurately, the big ass comments raining down <laughs> on the world and the impending doom. Anyway, chaps, keep up the great work. Hopefully we will all be back in the cinema before we know it. Though my cinema time may be cut down a bit as me and the better half are expecting our firstborn in just over a few months now. Oh, congratulations. wow. Oh, congratulations. Um, a not baby sure bear. <laughs> a baby bear. You stole the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure if I'm ready for it, but no doubt your podcast will keep me sane or insane, whichever is more beneficial. <laughs> all the best, the gaming bear. Oh, that's a really wonderful email. And uh, yeah. we wish you all the best on your journey with your baby bear. Oh. We do indeed. Oh. Um, and I, I, I love receiving these emails. Craig actually messaged me this email and I was at work and I read it and it, it honestly gaming bear it made my day really did we love you getting your email so congratulations on little bear yeah indeed um so I think we could probably crack on with the show really couldn't we let's do it that's a hell of a long intro <laughs> yeah it is oh god <laughs> everyone's just gonna skip it <laughs> So 
So week 54 is pretty packed out. So as a reminder, there are chapters available for the episodes so you can skip to certain reviews if you so wish. Uh, Cracking onwards, and the first film we're delving into is Moxie. It sees seemingly shy 16-year-old Vivian, played by Hadley Robinson, become incredibly fed up with the sexist and toxic status quo at her high school. She takes inspiration from her mother's rebellious past and decides to take action by anonymously publishing and distributing, via the girls' toilets no less, a handwritten zine that sparks a school-wide coming-of-rage revolution. We've got a clip. Let's take a look. Hey, Lucy. Uh, We have English class together. I'm Vivian, right? You sit in the back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Look, I just wanted to say, ignore Mitchell. Why should I have to ignore him? Why can't he just not be a dick? He's an idiot. He has been since the second grade. He's dangerous. I don't think he's dangerous. I think he's just annoying. You know that annoying can be more than just annoying, right? Like, it can be code for worse stuff. If you keep your head down, I'll move on and bother somebody else. Thanks for the advice. But I'm going to keep my head up. Hi. See you in class. So I think Craig selected a fantastic clip there and a really important clip and a clip that I will touch upon later. I think that that's a great clip for a number of reasons. Um, but as Craig said, this film's called Moxie. It's directed by Amy Fowler. Um, Moxie is the second feature film uh, which he sat in the director's chair after Wine Country in 2019. I think he said her last name wrong. Fowler? Polar. Oh, Polar. Oh, well, well it's one of the two. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, it's it's a second feature film after Wine Country in 2019. If you're thinking who is Amy Fowler or Polar, uh, she's probably best known for her leading role in Parks and Recreation. Um, This film stars Hadley Robinson, uh, Lauren Zai and Alicia Pascal Pina. Um, And I went into this film blind in the sense that I hadn't watched a trailer, I hadn't done much research and for me it had an engaging enough start and an interesting enough story um, led by a really good um, lead performance by Hadley Robinson Um, and this film is really really important because it's touching upon some quite heavy issues but it does it in both a powerful way and also a comedic way. And balancing those two can be very, very tough. And I'm not sure if it quite managed to balance the two. And that would be one of my criticisms of the film. Um, Before I dive into a little bit further, Craig, what was your expectations? Um, What did you think when you first went in? Um, How how did you find it overall? I mean, in terms of expectations, I tend to try and go into films rather blind and not know anything about them. And then when I come out of them, I have... I have a sense of what I yeah. thought about the film. And I initially, when I came out of the film, I I did enjoy what I had watched. I think it has a really poignant message in there. It's, it's looking at... Um, you know, friendship and and love in a way, or friendship and love as in the friendship love that you have for, for yeah. one another. Um, and it also is looking at um, the, the sexist behaviour of of men towards uh, towards women. And I think this is no you know this is no laughing matter in the sense that 
this is coming from a, a, a comedy um, star as the director. Um, Amy Poehler is obviously somebody who's, as you've mentioned, well known for her roles um, in comedy films and TV shows. Um, so to see her directing a film of this nature there is going to have an injection of comedy elements within it. And, and and I think it needed that energy, but something that really disappointed me about the film is how these young women are, uh, you know, they're on a revolution as, as we say. Um, And we're taken on a journey that is um, trying to promote positive, I suppose positive notions um, for for females when watching, um, yeah. and I think males as well that need to look at themselves when when conducting themselves, especially within a school mm. environment. Yeah, and something that disappointed me was the way some of the story took certain turns, and one of which is Vivian who is very shy actually and somebody who's quite introverted and not really somebody who you'd expect to lead a revolution um finding this attraction with a young man within the school um and you know what that's fine that element of it but when this interest this love interest decides to become more than just a a supporter of the cause, uh, somebody who is who is there to just sort of show his support. Um, it becomes more of an entwined love story. It kind of ruined the film in some instances for me because it wasn't really a necessary feature. There, there doesn't need to be that element like it mm. it's it's selling itself as although this is the culture and this is this this is something that goes hand in hand with school life or, you know, coming of age and the coming of age genre is rife with that sort of sense of becoming, I don't know, coming of age means falling in love. And I think that's completely wrong because the way this story is being told and setting itself up is that actually the sexist nature of, young men in school and bullying and mm. uh, yeah. just really disgusting behavior yeah shouldn't be tolerated and and as such um, the young women in this film should be treated fairly and respectfully and and that is the true strong message within this film but i felt it kind of was undermined by that by that love story that you know you don't need to be a love interest you can simply be a supporter um yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's a really interesting analysis craig it's not something that i i thought about too much when i watched it but you are right this idea of these strong independent women you know going on this revolution this this not tirade this movement of of positivity really female empowerment yeah and yet f- um is it polar amy polar yeah I keep saying Fola, I'm so sorry. Amy Poehler decides to add this love interest, which, like you say, is is interesting and engaging and, and uh, in many ways well done, but it does somewhat distract from the, the, the real reason behind this film and something that was brilliantly touched upon in that clip um, when um, 
our, our protagonist says to, to 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 this other lady, you know, ignore him and he will go away. Um, that that shouldn't be the case. Women shouldn't have to ignore men who are discriminating them, and then the men get bored and leave. You know, she, you know, keep your head down. No, I'll keep my head up. I thought that was a really fascinating clip. Um, because what this film highlights, and it's it's a tough review, actually. I don't know if Craig would agree, because we're obviously two men, and I don't necessarily think... Yeah, no, I would agree with that, David. I think it's, you know, we're two middle-aged men in their 30s nearly, <laughs> or you're, I'm in my 30s, you're in your 29 I'm 29, still. yeah. Yeah, you know, we're, we're not the demographic, so yeah. to speak, and, and that's evident because of the direction that this film takes in terms of that love interest. They, they're trying to commercialise it for that purpose. Yeah. But... But again, as you say, yeah, we are two. We are two men reviewing a film that is is targeted towards that is the female yeah. um, uh, um, demographic, I suppose. Um, but yeah, but but for, but for me, like there there was messages as a man that I that I drew out of this, um, and I think the most uncomfortable thing is I can certainly relate to this, having played sport in my younger years. I played a lot of cricket, a lot of football. Unfortunately, a bit of rugby at school, which was horrific because I was tiny and used to get absolutely destroyed. But this idea of locker room banter—I don't know if you know what I'm referring to, Craig. This sort of casual sexist behaviour that men can get involved in. And, and it's referred to as just banter. Well, that that isn't the case. Like a lot of the times it isn't banter. And there is a line between banter and bigotry. There is a line yeah, yeah. between banter and discrimination. And there is a line between banter and harassment. Yeah. I, you know what? I don't really think banter is a thing, to be honest with you, because... It's just taking the Mickey, and it's it's and you push things too far with banter sometimes, and and most of the time, and and I think that's the point you're trying to make, really, isn't it? Because yeah, absolutely. Like there, there is. It's just sexist and discriminatory, yeah. and and pretty awful to be honest with you. And this film does highlight that, but something it also doesn't do is that it's supposed to be showing a diverse um, range of people within this film, from black, white. Um, and and different cultures, um, you know, throughout the film, but it doesn't represent everybody. And a high school is an environment where it should represent everybody. So people mm. who are fat, people who are thin, people um, who are um, you know disabled, and there is there is a, a young woman yeah. in this film who is in a wheelchair, and she just seems to pop up like every now and then in the film yeah. it's like why couldn't she be a character in this film and actually yeah. be used properly to really you know why wasn't she within these meetings and what you know what why i don't understand mm. it you know the inclusiveness of this isn't quite there yet either and it yeah. kind of just i don't know it let itself down because of that yeah, no, that, um, I hate to say it, but this sort of idea of this token disabled person was really disappointing in some ways. And they tried to play this comedic element. There's one moment in the film where our protagonist says, come on, ladies, let's walk out. And the camera zooms in on the on the disabled girl who obviously can't walk. And it's, and it's trying to be funny, but... The, the, earlier in the review i said there's that there's that balance between between hard hitting and comedy and and it and this film doesn't quite manage it and that's an example of of where it, of where it falls short with with that sort of disabled joke that for me fell flat 
Yeah, I think it had a really strong start and I think it really did have some good direction to begin with. Um, but it its final act just felt very messy. It mm. felt just not as tidy as it could have been. And and the the the, the secondary subplots that, that wo- were woven within this film just felt very lacklustre. I think love interest could have been in the film still, but not within our main leading character. I feel like she could have been the embodiment of female empowerment and she didn't need to have that male coming of age love interest that's yeah. so stereotypical of of coming of age films. Now, Vivian doesn't need that. You know, what she needs is just simply starting this revolution and making change and she does that with without without him it just didn't need to go down that road whatsoever the mum amy amy polar plays the mum lisa in this film and she yeah. has that love interest and and she's been through similar things that her daughter's been through and i didn't quite understand why their mother and daughter's relationship is so strong to begin with but crumbles mm. when she's hiding away the secret of of moxie this zine that she's created that causes this revolution she tells the truth in this in this zine but is unable to talk and communicate with her mum about it who actually is what inspired her to do it why yeah. is she ashamed of it when she's so proud of her mother for creating this this this, this zine previously the other thing is it it, it, it felt so it was supposed to be quite punky and the yeah. zine is quite punky and, and the, the different female bands that are used in the film are very punky and the post is punky. But the film didn't feel very punky. It mm. it, it lacked punk. It lacked that. <laughs> it, it really did. It lacked it. And it's just, it's it could have been so, so, so much better. Um, mm. But it, but it really wasn't, and um, it it did it did satisfy me in in the sense that I was entertained. I I completely agreed with the with the the sentiments that the film was trying to showcase. But did it really sell the entire movie to me? No, I don't think it did. Fair enough. Like we 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 exchanged texts as all good friends do. I thought you were a little bit hotter on this film than than you've come across, but I think you've done a really good job at highlighting some of the some of the downfalls of the film. And one thing I wanted to say, you're probably keen to round it off fairly soon, was the ending for me. It didn't. It it almost felt like the film was ninety percent done. Like it, there was just I don't want to give away the ending, but there was one particular sort of revelation at the ending that was quite shocking and but it never really dealt with that it sort of revealed it and then Mm. didn't address it and i think one of the reasons it didn't address it was it was incredibly heavy subject matter and maybe amy didn't want to dive into that but i felt like maybe she should have done maybe she should have you know dived in a little bit harder and addressed that elephant in the room and really taken you know on that challenging subject matter Mm. um but yeah, as a coming of age film, it's it's like you said, it's it's solid. It's a solid enough piece um, on Netflix, um, and one that I I found challenging as a man to watch, and it it opened my eyes to to things that sometimes maybe I haven't thought about, and some things that maybe as men we see as acceptable when actually they're just not acceptable. If you know what I mean. Yeah, I do. And this is why I would really love to have a female perspective on, on this film, because I think it, you know, we are of, you know, a certain privilege being white 
and male of a certain age, like yeah. we cannot put ourselves in those shoes whatsoever. Mm. Um, it's impossible. Um, you know, and I think Patrick Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger does a really good job in this film in, in the sense of portraying what it is to be an entitled white young man in this film that yeah. thinks that everything belongs to him. Every, whatever he does has no consequences. And it kind of still doesn't in this, in some instances until we get to a, uh, well, like I'm not spoiling the ending, but you know, there yeah, are consequences. Um, yeah. But the last film we saw him in that we reviewed him in was in Daniel Isn't Real, which was a real psychological thriller. Yeah. And he was really, really good in that. And I'd really watch out for him. I think he's going to be pretty amazing. Um, I, I also really thought Hadley Robinson, uh, who played Vivian, uh, our lead protagonist within the yeah. film, was fantastic. She really shone in this film. Her last film, I believe, or her debut was Little Women. Um, so she played a, a character within Little Women. Um, and, and I also thought um, Alicia Pascal um, Pino, who plays Lucy, was really, really good. A really brilliant, empowered young yes. woman who was articulate and intelligent and, and really good fantastic within the film and she was the one that was in the clip there that holding her head high um she played lucy i thought she was really really good um and there's some other really standout performances as well amy poehler though her performance you know does she have to star in the film as well i mean it's it's hard to star and to direct um i think the best example of doing that would probably be bradley cooper and a star is born um, um that is the best example definitely <laughs> and i have to plug that film at any given opportunity but like you said it's i don't know i think because she's such a big name um i think maybe she wanted to star in it to get a, a bit more publicity for the film a bit more sort of interest in it i don't know um her performance was very very solid it was very similar to you know the good quality work that she consistently does yeah i guess that's it really isn't it mm. um do you have anything else that you'd like to f add further to our review of moxie no i think we've 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 covered all bases um and i think i'm ready for the question david moxie is it worth it i'm gonna say that moxie is worth it because i think it highlights some really important issues um the film highlights those lines it challenges women to draw them and men not to cross them um and i think that's really really important i think in society we need to understand where the line is and not cross it and not use that excuse it's just banter as craig says banter is quite often just discrimination um i think the performances are very very good um it's got some some really good punky music as craig said in there it's not quite punky enough but the performances are good there's some good music in there um it's you know it's it's a very satisfying watch and one that i think is worthwhile catching on netflix so for me yes moxie is worth it craig for you moxie is it worth it Why <laughs> you, are you, you always forget <laughs> no i didn't forget i was leaving a dramatic pause craig very that well, wasn't a forget well. that was a dramatic pause so moxie is it worth it um i still think this film is definitely worth watching yeah. um despite being slightly disappointed with some of the story um and having a little bit of a messy um final act or third act um mm. i think that the film is worth watching simply because it has some really great performances it does tell a poignant story and it is all about female empowerment and I really, 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 really uh, think that we would like to have some female yes. input on this film. Yes, and um, I, I just, I just, it's, 
you know, we, we, as I said, we are two white middle-aged men reviewing a film that is it's demographic is, is, is for, for women. And on international women's day, um, today, I think this is a film, um, that certainly should be watched because of not just because of that, but just because I think it's a good film in, in that sense, I have taken it and ripped it apart, but, <laughs> but it, it is worth watching. Yeah. hundred percent. I Care A Lot is our next film and it's available on both Netflix and Amazon Prime Video depending on your region. UK listeners, you can find it on Prime. But as a synopsis goes, it sees professional court-appointed guardian Marla Grayson take possession of the many assets her ward possesses. She seizes them, sells them and profits from the work she does. While on the outside it appears legitimate, these dubious legal means work well for herself and for business partner and lover Fran. That is until their next mark, a so-called Cherry, a wealthy retired woman with no family or heirs, um, and it all becomes too good to be true. As her own shady gangster past changes the game and ups the ante. That's a quick, uh, sorry, that's a quick synopsis. Let's take a little look at a clip. You hold stock in Golden Light Care Homes, right? Yeah, we have a chunk. Sign some over to me. <laughs> Come on. I'm helping you feed the money monster, but I hardly see any of the gold for myself. Give me a taste. Done. But it has to be a real cherry, bonafide. Jennifer Peterson. She's in reasonably good health, but recently she has shown some signs of memory loss and confusion. Significant. No, but we can tickle that to make an emergency hearing go our way. She has no kids, no husband, no living family. No family at all. She has very good insurance. She told me she used to work in finance in Chicago and moved here to retire. Can I get a copy of all this? You bet. I'll accept her test results. That wouldn't be ethical. Of course. Uh, so that was a clip from I Care A Lot. Uh, this film is directed by James Blake, or Jay Blakeson, um, as it is on IMDb, but his real name is not there. I don't know, it's just Jay. <laughs> it's just Jay. <laughs> um, so he is known for... Uh, well, not many, many films. Mm. Um, the Disappearance of Alice Creed, The Fifth Wave, uh, some TV miniseries, Gunpowder, and I Care A Lot is his big feature film here uh, since The Disappearance or The Fifth Wave. Um, yeah. Yeah, The Fifth Wave. Let's say, let's say The Fifth Wave. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> what did we think of this this movie? Um where do we even start? Blimey. It's a, it's a difficult one to review. It is. It is a difficult one. I think we'd start with, with Rosamund Pike, who stars in yep. the film. Uh, she plays Marla Grayson. And Marla Grayson is this professional um, woman who gets appointed by the courts to look after certain 
people or as we say wards that um, may or may not be capable of looking after themselves so she is literally appointed to be their what would you call it David guardian their guardian yeah Yeah, they're very much so their guardian and by doing so there she has access to their property um, everything that they own and has control over their life essentially and she puts them into care and while she puts them into care she sells all of their most valuable possessions and profits from doing so and does it so in a very legitimate legal way whilst obviously it is very very deceptive um and rosamund pike her acting skills here lend herself so well to this role she is so evil unbelievably evil and twisted but so i don't know charismatic in the process that it's 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 devious it's it's horrible um you know uh her girlfriend um is also in on this act she seems to have some rather great skills of being able to spy on people um she's played Mm. by um uh, uh is it Eliza, Isaac Gonzalez. Isaac um, and <sighs> this is really hard. You're doing a great job. Like, like you said, I think Rosamund Pike, her performance obviously wins her that Best Actress in a Motion Picture Musical or Comedy Award. And rightly so, I think. I think... Comedy? One, well, the Hollywood Foreign Press um, are known for making strange decisions. Don't forget that... Um, um, Bohemian Rhapsody, for example, wasn't in the comedy or musical, but was in Best Picture Drama. Um, like they'll make crazy decisions, but yes, this is apparently classified as a comedy or musical performance. Clearly not a musical, but we'll let that slide. Um, her performance is great. Like this character is so evil, is so twisted, but remains so calm. Um, one thing I would say about this this film is the costumes and the hair and makeup are brilliant. Rosamund Pike's character is always wearing these very much business attire costumes, but they're always really sleek and she looks so professional. Her hair is always on point and she's just this very smooth operator, but she's also so slimy and deplorable, really. What she's doing is absolutely horrific. She's fundamentally taking people that cannot care for themselves apparently and robbing from them she's exploiting them but she's doing so even when these people are actually perfectly capable absolutely and this is where our cherry comes in our um uh, you know the she is actually perfectly fine but the fact that she has no heirs no family or no apparent family or 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 heirs um and is wealthy and has maybe something not quite right with her. Mm. Um, she is able to take it to the court, say that she is not actually capable of looking after herself. Yeah. And turn up on her doorstep. Now imagine somebody turning up onto your on your doorstep. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And telling you that I'm taking guardianship of yourself. So I'll mm. be taking all of your possessions. Please hand me over your keys and yeah. uh, we'll come right with us. And yeah. She does so it does it in such a slick way and charismatic way. Mm. It is it is so devious and yeah. she's evil and yeah. 
I think the other actors and the characters, I say actors, the other characters within this film are also really quite evil and <laughs> <Yeah>. misguided <laughs> and not very likable. Mm. Yeah. And this is where I have a problem with this movie. Yeah, uh, I thought you might. <laughs> I wasn't rooting for anybody. Yeah. I may I perhaps was rooting for our cherry, uh, Jennifer Peterson. But at the same time, I there wasn't really an I don't know, there wasn't enough even though she was just literally taken out of her home. Mm. and put into a, in, into a, 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 a care, care facility. facility. Yeah. I just wasn't so upset about it. Yeah. I, I think I just burped. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, I did notice that. Um, we'll keep that in. Will we? Delete. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's this, there's this train of thought of that there are no such thing as a good person. And, yeah. and, and, this film really does depict that the the, the, the most evilest people you could yes. possibly think of, and in a subverted way because they all hide their true identities. Yes. <sighs> yeah, you're spot on. When you say Diane Weist plays Jennifer Peterson, who is removed from her own home and put into this care facility when there's seemingly nothing wrong with her, you should be rooting for her. You should be thinking, this is scandalous. This is outrageous. But as the director and as the story unfolds, there's more, much, much more to her character than first meets the eye. So... I, I just want to say on the record, I adored this film. Like I really loved it. It's one of my, it's probably the, the my, one of my favourite films in this week's episode. Um, I just found it really engaging. I found it brutal. Um, I thought the performances were superb. Um, brilliantly paced, by the way, Craig. I don't know if you got that. Yeah. No, no. You know what? I will. I'm, I'm, that, that was the only problem with the film was not having somebody to root for or Absolutely. be likable. And but the but the problem is that I don't, I don't think you're supposed to root for anyone yeah. really. You know, the the director is telling us that these people are deplorable. Why would you root for them? Yes. Um, you know, even in that sense, though, did you find yourself rooting for any of the characters? By the end, this sickening as it sounds there was an element of me that was sort of horribly rooting for Rosamund Pike's character um which sounds terrible but the way the director manipulates you there are elements there's one particular scene that I don't want to give away where she's in great peril and I mean were you rooting for her because I, I know some people were like hope she dies I mean yeah in a way but mm. We have another character that comes in. I don't want yeah. to spoil it too much, but Roman, he is the antag he is an antagonist to Marla, in a yes. sense. He brings great peril to them for mm. reasons we'll keep secret because it is a rather large plot spoiler. Device, yeah. Um But he is he is the yin to her yang in some yeah. ways. And it is you never root for him, I don't think. Or no. do you? Or do you though? That's the thing. Like, uh, like there is times where you might expect his motives to be mm. warranted, and yeah. you kind of want him to win. And so there are times when you want Marla to win. It's, uh, but I, I just didn't want either of them to win. Yeah. Um, uh, 
I think it's important to note that Roman is paid by Peter Dinklage. What did you think of his performance and what did you think of his casting? Because I know some people thought it was a very bizarre choice. Oh, I thought he was really good. I actually so I. thought he was... He, he personified... Evil. You know, evil, he really did. And so did she. And, so, and she did as well, yeah. And I think her, her win here was well-deserved. I just don't mm. think it was the right category. I don't think she was particularly funny in the film. I don't think she, she, was, she wasn't singing, was she? No, no. she didn't. <laughs> she didn't sing. But like I said, the globes are going to globe. It's an, it's an expression. The globes are going to globe. They, they do things, and this is one of them. Not only does she get nominated in the comedy or musical, she wins it, um, which is, you know, it is what it is. Um, before we sort of round it off Mm. like I said I really loved this film but I did have three potential problems with it so these are not problems that I necessarily found but that I noted and it's bizarre actually the the crossover here because problem number one doesn't give the audience anyone to root for Mm. we've already touched upon that problem number two it seems to revel in its own cynicism and somewhat glorifies Rosamund Pike's character who is utterly deplorable Yes. And finally, problem number three, somewhat unbelievable and over the top at times. Yeah, it, it did have this comic book-esque kind of feel. Mm. Um, it had, a, the cinematography was, was very much so of, uh, strangely, of a superhero film in some instances in 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 the colors that was used is the the cold nature of some scenes and the bright flamboyant nature of her outfits really sort of made it feel quite comic book-esque even like from the pages of a bright comic book but it the flaws that you've noted are also its strengths almost yeah i know what you mean it's a really bizarre one it is and uh, but but what I really want to get across is that I really did enjoy watching this movie. Yes. And I thought you're, you're right. The pace of the film was, was brilliant. Um, mm. I don't think it's going to be everybody's favourite film, tea. everybody's cup of tea. It's not going to be um, the sort of film you're going to sit down and perhaps watch as a family. It's not a family <laughs> no, sort no, of film at no. all. You know, <laughs> it's, it's actually quite violent. It's, it's yes. quite sweary. It's graphic. It's, yeah, it is. And it depicts something that you know people never want to have happen to themselves and that's being exploited and hopefully if people see other people being exploited perhaps you know on the back of this film you might stand up for yourself or Mm. you might stand up for the others that are being exploited that you see happening that's all i can really say yeah i think you're spot on um i think we've we've touched we've touched upon most bases i feel you feel? Um, I do. Okay. Ask me questions. Mr. Fields, I care a lot. Is it worth it? Yes, this film is definitely worth watching. I think despite what we've sort of torn it apart in some instances, mm. I think the performances are really, really good. I think the story is really entertaining. Yeah. And I think the way the film moves and the way it looks... Um, are all really strong elements about the film. It is just, uh, I think the type of person that we are, or I am, or you are, or whoever people are, they may they won't root for some of these characters. You won't yeah. care for them. But some people might. Some people might care for mm. these characters. And it'd be really interesting to find out if you watch this film, on the back of me saying, yes, it's worth it, um, if you think that these characters are 
routable. I think that's the word. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, what I will also say is that it is available on Netflix um, in multiple different territories, um, but it's also available on Amazon Prime in the UK and other territories as well. They must, mm. each one has bought it up. I think yeah. it, I, it's, it's a very strange thing. I don't know what's going on there, but... Um, it's bizarre, isn't it? It is bizarre. Um, but yeah, I thought it was definitely worth a watch. Uh, David, I care a lot. Is it worth it? Yes, look, for all the reasons that Craig has outlined, it's definitely worth it. Um, I think it's got good character development, superb performances. Um, it's really, really tense and it's got a brilliant pace. It does have those three problems that I outlined or potential problems, but I think you'll forgive it and, and give it a go. It's on Amazon Prime or Netflix, depending on where you are. I care a lot. For me, really, really enjoyed this one. Definitely worth a watch. So our next movie on this week's episode is The United States versus Billie Holiday. Uh, this is available on Sky Cinema in the UK and Hulu in the US. It's the 1940s and singer Billie Holiday is targeted by the government in an effort to racialize the war on drugs, ultimately aiming to stop her from singing her controversial song, Strange Fruit. Uh, it's based on the book Chasing the Scream, uh, the first and last days of the war on drugs by Lee Daniel. No, no Johan Hari. <laughs> but Johan Hari. I, I skipped a line there. I'm very sorry. Uh, it's directed <laughs> by Lee Daniels and the film stars Andra Day in the titular role. And we've actually got a clip lined up. Let's take a look. What is the government's problem with Billie Holiday? Why is the government always after you? My song, Strange Fruit. It reminds them that they're killing us. Reminds them. It reminds you too, Reginald. Lady, don't say that. See, this is why she's always getting in trouble. I'll edit that part out. You don't have to edit shit for Harry Anslinger. He was in charge of prohibition, remember? See us drinking, don't you? He can't afford to lose with drugs. But it's a war on drugs, not on you, lady. Yeah, that's what they want you to believe. They say they want the names of my suppliers. They don't want no names. They want to destroy me. So I think Craig has selected a tremendous clip there. Um, it's a war on drugs, not on you. How much further from the truth could we be? Um, the thing that this film really, in many ways, hit me very, very hard and I just wanted to touch upon the opening line that we see 
in the film and yeah. it says in 1937 a bill to finally ban the lynching of african americans was considered by the senate it did not pass that that hit me hard um that immediately this film had my attention because that that's that's a, a terrible and shocking piece of history um before we get on to the main body of the film, it is directed by Lee Daniels, as Craig said, known for Precious in 2009 and The Butler in 2013. Um, both very, very good films. Uh, written by Suzanne Laurie Parks, uh, that was the screenplay, uh, and based based on the book Chasing the Screen by Johan Hari. Um, stars Andre Day, Trevante Rhodes and Garrett Hedlund. Um, this isn't the first film, Craig, on this subject matter. Um, there was a film in 1972 called Lady Sings the Blues, um, starring Diana Ross. Diana Ross um, played Billie Holiday, and she was actually nominated for an actress in a leading role at the Oscars, very much like Billie Holiday may well be. Um, and there, there is a tremendous amount of meat on the bone with this film. This is a very hard-hitting film, mm. a very impactful film but also a very troubled film um do you want to come in here or do you want me to continue to waffle you're not waffling at all if anybody was waffling it was me in the previous review <laughs> um no david you're i will come in here a little bit i guess though but mm. you know billy holiday is somebody who is known as an iconic jazz singer mm. and a drug addict yeah and her depiction in this film by Andra Day is one of the best performances I've seen in a very long time. Mm. And she is depicting somebody who was tormented yes. for having an addiction. And it's based upon a book, Chasing the Scream, The First and Last Days of the War on Drugs, which isn't really the story of Billie Holiday, so to speak. It no. is a book that is documenting the war on drugs, quite literally, in uh, the US and, well, the world. Mm. And it has this story in it about Billie Holiday because she was somebody that was targeted by the United States government yeah. for... <sighs> causing well because she was a drug addict but as the clip pointed out because she was black and she yeah. had something that caused people to think twice about racism mm. and lynching and yes um telling a story in a song that would influence people's views and they didn't want those views to be recognised and they tried to silence her and they tried to use her addiction as a way of silencing her. Um, and it is an incredibly powerful story in that sense to have somebody just targeted in that way somebody so yeah. famous as well for singing such as just simply singing the song mm. really um 
could you imagine that even happening in today's world? Like, can you imagine somebody who sung such a poignant, amazing song that tells such a significant story that influences people? And this goes back to uh, films that we've previously watched that that state, you know, Malcolm X telling um, Sam, I've forgotten his name, this is really bad, but um, can you remember? Sam Cooke. Sam Cooke to sing a song, to... Yeah. to write a story in a, into a song that can help the revolution. Billie Holiday was mm. the first person to really, or first female black person to really tell an important story in a song that, that caused people to reflect. Yeah. I mean, I think you're absolutely, Craig, honestly, nail meat head. Um, like you said, she's being targeted because she's black. She's being targeted because she's a drug addict, but she's being targeted because her refusal to stop singing that song, Strange Fruit, which is an anti-lynching song. The lyrics, Craig, I haven't got them up in front of me, forgive me, but the lyrics in that song are harrowing fundamentally describing black people hanging from trees like pieces of fruit in the deep south yeah i mean i can read some of it here i have i have it written down it says southern trees bear a strange fruit blood on the leaves and blood on the roots like that's that's one line of it but there's there's so much more to it there's it's you know i i've got more written down somewhere i'll have to find it because it it depicts and allows you to imagine yeah, the, the horrors that that happen. Well, they happen so often and mm. so unjustly. Like, it's sad even thinking about it. Like, it, like you know, it's it's deplorable and devastating. And you know, the the story that's being told here you know has our director here done done this justice and i'm i'm struggling to be able to to commit myself to saying that this was an absolute sensational piece of filmmaking there is some absolutely incredible um some incredible acting and some like unbelievable acting but there's something not quite right with this film Mm. Yeah, absolutely spot on. Um, like you said, if, if if you were to look at, I don't want to say this is an example of a good acting performance in a bad film, but it's not a bad film, but it's not a good film uh, at the same time. It, it's got a very powerful opening, like I said, but it has this really, really slow pace. But the the shocking racism, Craig, that, that sucks me in. But then in the sense that I'm shocked and I'm thinking you know bloody hell excuse my language you know what's going to happen here this is shocking mm. you've got my attention but then the film struggles because the timeline for me was almost impossible to follow it jumps all over the place forward back sideways it feels somewhat of a mess and also it's it's really hard to engage with at times like and that's a real shame there's definitely a pacing issue with this and also from a technical perspective you would know more about this than me but the edit is one of the most bizarre edits i've ever seen in a film a lot of crossfades and fading to black like i mean a lot 
So you know how a film will end and it will fade to black. Like that happens multiple times in the middle of a film, and I'm not really sure why. It's for dramatic purposes, isn't it? It's to it's it's to signal the end of a scene that it's gonna some you know you know dramatic fade into black. You know, it's like in theatre. Yeah, I understand you know, that, but it, is it needed twenty times in a movie? I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, I didn't notice that quite as much as you did. Oh, I really and noticed I think, it. I and found I think, it very distracting. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, you know, the edit for me was, wasn't was perfect. It wasn't great. Mm. Um, but I think for me, it's the direction of some of these characters. I think Andra Day has I, almost directed herself. And then everybody else around her has been given direction. And the direction they've been given is, you know, they're listening to it. And Andrea Day isn't listening to the director. She's doing her own thing. She's embodying. She's embodying Billie Holiday. She sounds yeah. like her. She moves, yeah, moves like, like her. her. She she is her, and it's incredible. It's an incredible performance, and I I really don't think it. it the, the director must have had input here. But why is everybody else around her so? Awkward mm. is how I felt. I felt everybody around her felt so awkward. And, you know, we got, they, we still got the devastating fact across because of Andra Day. Like, she managed to, to showcase the feelings, you know, the, the choosing the, the other men over her family and her friends and constantly doing that. And I think, you know, that's something to do with, with addiction, isn't it? And correct me if I am wrong, perhaps, but addiction is something that you know you can't you're always going to pick the addiction uh, yeah. in some in some instances you know it it always comes back to that addiction and mm. i mean you might be well more uh, you might be more poised in being able to communicate what i'm trying to say here than i am yeah addiction will always take control is that what you're trying to say it'll always be in the forefront of your actions yeah 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 um the the problem with addiction and i've been very open on this show about my my problems with addiction is that it literally completely controls you it, it it's the most important thing and it has to happen and you have to do it or you have to drink it or use it or whatever it may be and and we see that element of addiction um in this film um, but Johan Hari actually touched upon in a video that we saw about how to conquer addiction, how to counteract addiction. Yeah, so and this, is, this is a TED talk that you're referring to yeah. um, from, I think, 2015, uh, which was the year that the, the, the book was released as well. Mm. Um, I will put a link to this TED talk in the description because it is absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah. It really, really is. And, and he's basically saying, to summarise, that to battle addiction we don't want to criminalize it we don't want to demonize these people we want to help these people we want to support these people and speaking from experience if you have love and care and support and you're given a program of recovery that involves doing things that you like seeing people that you like being given something to live for other than drink or drugs your chance of recovery is huge compared to just being locked away put in prison yeah and you know the key being thrown away absolutely and i think what the other thing um that's discussed in that ted talk is the fact that 
people can throw themselves into other things. And Billie Holiday had her singing. Yes. She had her artistry there. Um, you know, something I don't know whether or not you want to discuss or not, but something that you've thrown yourself into is the podcast. Yes. You know, this is something that you've thrown yourself into, You and, and maybe religion as well. And it's something yeah. that's really kept you on that path mm. um, of being clean. Yeah. Would you say absolutely? So? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you've you've got to have you've got to have reasons to be sober other than just being sober. Being sober itself, as great as that is, isn't enough. It won't be enough for the addicts. Just being clean and sober won't be enough. So you have to have things and it's as Craig says, it's no coincidence that I quit drinking three years and a month ago and we start this podcast started about three years ago like that's not a coincidence and one day at a time things like the podcast things like the amazing friendship i have from craig and my family and the support keep me going yeah you know and um, and, and harry anslinger who was the federal bureau uh, bureau of narcotics chief he took away mm. her ability to perform he took away yeah. her her livelihood, the thing that was keeping her pretty much on that straight. And she tried to carry on doing her performances, but they, I think it was a cabaret license, license yeah. that she Which needed. They took off her, yeah. They, they, they certainly did, and they did that purposefully because they knew that she was likely to relapse because of that, and they wanted her to relapse because they wanted to use her as a martyr, as a way of hiding this song away, but also to also combat the war on drugs so to speak but yeah criminalizing the use of drugs could be one of the most uh detrimental things to society mm. um ever and i think the u.s are one of the root causes of doing that um you know, interestingly enough, I have been reading a very um, entertaining book for for me. You're going to laugh at this, but it's um, called Entangled Life, I think it's called. Um, okay. And it's all about fungi. Um, you can, <laughs> I know, yep, yep, I know. I knew you were going to laugh at me. Um, That's not what I was expecting. It's all about fungi. Yeah, well, fungi... As in mushrooms and... Well, fungi are an incredibly... Um, diverse species. Diverse species of... Well, it's hard to describe. Are they an animal or are they a plant? But they're certainly not a plant because they are able to almost think for themselves. And I'm going to diverge a little bit here, but... Um, Where is this going? Well, I know. Well, we've all, <laughs> we all know about psychedelic mushrooms and yeah, how yeah, that yeah, yeah. they have caused... They cause trips. LSD is derived from mm. um, uh, fungi and mushrooms, essentially. Mm. And a lot of other things are as well. Drugs, antibiotics, all these things come from... Um, you know, bacteria and fungi and, and, and all these things. One of the earliest findings of man and their ability to self-reflect comes from experiences with these derivatives of drugs or mushrooms mm. or magic mushrooms or LSD. And they caused trips that allowed humankind to evolve this ability to just to reflect and 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 um think differently um it's 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 an incredible read but the point that i'm trying to make here is that by cause making drugs illegal makes it something that people want to use and also you get 
these drugs in a very bad condition. Like you yes. get them contaminated and you get them really poorly regulated because mm-hmm. there is no regulation. Now, this is why they're decriminalizing things like cannabis because it actually you get better quality product and less people being addicted um, because it's used in the correct manner. Like, like one of the interesting things in that Ted talk that was talked that was, that was talked yeah. about was the fact that everybody has had heroin. If you've had a major operation. Yeah. And you don't see yourself if you've had an operation um, and you don't see yourself coming out addicted to heroin. You don't become addicted overnight. Um, it's something that actually is done. Oh, uh, it's it's difficult. There's external isn't it? factors. There are. It's social, political, external factors as yeah. well as um, uh, you know. There's so many different things that come up with it, and by making it illegal, has a huge role to play in it. Yeah, and. Whilst I'm not saying go and start taking drugs, what I'm saying is that actually there are benefits from them. And like I described with the fungi, they actually influence our lives way more than people think in, in, the, in the respects that it's mind altering things. But it, you take it every day. Like mm. derivatives of these fungi are made into drugs that people take on a regular basis um, and, yeah. and other things that people use um to cause themselves to feel something different, pain, no pain, mm. you know, um, antidepressants, David, are a form of fungal, um, yeah. and, uh, you know, mushroom derivative chemical that comes from it. And, um, people take those for mental health reasons. Yes. You know, are you are people addicted to those drugs because of that, or is it a medical? Mm. It's really, it's fascinating, it isn't is, it? It is hugely fascinating, and it is connected. We have divulged a little bit off topic with the film, mm. but I think it's important to reflect on that. And I think the man who wrote the book is somebody people should be really interested in. And I want to thank Paul Newbegin, one of our fans for fans, one of our friends, listeners. Um, <laughs> he's a fan and a friend a and a damn good man. A damn good man. And um, I want to thank him for pointing me in the direction of the TED Talk. Um, yeah. And um, there was also an interview with Joe Rogan that he also pointed me in the direction of. And yeah, it's it, it was very beneficial in, in informing mm. us uh, about this film Yeah, from a perspective that I hadn't, realized um and i did i did just want to touch very briefly upon an element of 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 that interview Mm. um where johan hari basically said the war on drugs was built on two elements of intense hatred one the hatred of african-americans and two the hatred of people with addictions and to pull it back to this film um, Billie Holiday is obviously African-American and she's obviously an addict. She fits that category perfectly. And where this film, it's... I think it's a, the film's a bit of a mess, personally. Um, but where this film... The journey this film takes you on is truly tragic to see what happens to this woman, to see the way she is treated. Um, Anslinger, Harry Anslinger, played by Garrett Hedlund, is a vile, despicable character. At least that's how he's portrayed in the film with no real care for, you know, this this is a woman that needs care and attention. She needs to recover from a, a serious addiction. Mm-hmm. Instead, she's she's criminalised, she's demonised. Um, 
She's had the an film. awful upbringing as well. She's oh, from, from birth upbringing. all the way to death. She is mistreated yes, in every way possibly you could imagine. And um, yeah, oh, just it's it's saddening. And you know what? The thing that I did take away from this film is is wanting to know more and understanding mm. Billie Holiday and understanding the war on drugs and just how just how bad it all really was. Yeah. And despite the fact that the movie was a bit of a mess in yes. some ways, I still really took a lot away from it. Mm. We do have an email as well from uh, one of our biggest emailer fans, uh, Lawline. Um, thank you again for sending in so, um, so many wonderful emails that we can read out on the show because honestly, it's so good. It, it really is. Um, so she's emailed in about United States versus Billie Holiday. And it says, one thing I should note that's probably not immediately apparent to people who don't understand the US justice system. The film makes mention that lynching is not a crime in the US and the Senate has failed to make it a crime after many attempts. Now, obviously, murder is a crime, but it's a crime investigated by the state and thus subject to the priorities of the local law enforcement. Think of every crooked local sheriff. If lynching was made a federal crime, then it would be investigated by the FBI, taking investigation out of the hands of local enforcement. Obviously, this is based upon uh, based upon this film. Uh, obviously, based upon this film and Judas and the Black Messiah, the FBI may be just as bad as the local enforcement. But I hope my FBI agents will be more like Mulder and Scully than the agents cinema has shown us. Mm. United States versus Billy Holiday is an interesting companion piece to Judas and the Black Messiah as both reveal the secret war that the US justice system was waging against African Americans in the 50s and 60s. Many would say it's continued beyond that through to today. Okay, the film, I enjoyed this film. Uh, okay, the film, I enjoyed this film, Andra Day does a great impersonation of Billy Holiday and her singing was fabulous. Andrew Day should definitely be getting the very least an Oscar nomination. She made me believe she was her and I felt annoyed each time she fell off the wagon. Mm. The way she treats many of those who are supportive of her again and again in favour of some man who will cheat and abuse her is heartbreaking. Though the glimpses of her childhood do help you understand why. The leeching, the lynching scene just comes out of nowhere and is horrific. Yes. However, though the film it's a oh, however though it's a good film i don't think it's a great film it's a film i was really happy that i've seen but it's not something that i want to see again and again and i think that's it's true it's not a film that everybody's going to want to watch again and again and it's because it is so harrowing and it takes a lot out of you after watching it mm. it's so it makes you lose your sense of humanity and it makes you lose, you know, people, people are human and it yes. doesn't justify at all the, the, the horrific treatment that Billie Holiday and other black citizens of America and citizens of other countries have been treated, how the way they've been treated, it, it's sickening. 
It really is. And it, yeah. it makes me really, 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 really upset. Um, and this film really did bring that out a lot, despite its poor flaws. execution and flaws in some instances. It still managed to have such an impact and still is resonating with me right now. And it will do for a very, very, very long time. I think maybe forever because of the way it highlights the problems. I think I would, it's made me want to read the book that it's based upon. Mm. Um, and it's, it's really, yeah, it's just hard, isn't it? It really is. It's, it's, a, it's a tough one because it's like, I think Laureline's email was fantastic. Loved the, the information she gave at the start of that email and what she said about that lynching scene. That lynching scene was, was horrific, was just harrowing and, and awful. Um, and that, that is, the, somewhat the problem with the film in the sense that we get no sense of hope um it's a very heavy watch mm. um and it and it's a damn difficult watch but before we get onto the question well i'm sort of answering the question now it it, it in many ways it demands a watch um i think Laureline's white it's not something you're going to want to watch again and again because it's that disturbing but the sign of a good film is something, or the sign of at least of, a, of a, an important film, is something that, that challenges you. Craig's done a lot of research. I've done a lot of research. Um, it's been fascinating looking into this war on drugs or this blatant discrimination against people of colour. Um, yeah, fascinating, really. Yeah, it really is. Um, would you like me to ask you the question? Yes, please do. Okay. The United States versus Billie Holiday. David, is it worth it? Yes, look, this film is is worth a watch. It's worth a watch for Andre Day's performance alone. Laureline says she deserves an Oscar nomination. Well, I can confirm, Laureline, having won the Golden Globe, I would be shocked if um, Andre Day wasn't nominated for the Oscar, and she certainly got a good chance of winning. For me, um, there's an issue with the pace. Um, there's an issue with the edit. Um, there's an issue somewhat with the screenplay at times and some of the character arcs and some of the character development. But overall, I think Andra Day saves the film. And this is such a powerful subject. This is such a, a, an important subject. It's a subject very dear to my heart. Addiction, the way we treat addicts and the way Billie Holiday was treated was abhorrent. And it's a story that needs to be seen. So for me, the United States versus Billie Holiday is worth it. Craig? For you, yeah, it is definitely worth watching. Um, I think everybody should be watching this film. Obviously, those that are not um, age uh, appropriate for, for, <laughs> well, for those that are given, younger, yeah. <laughs> please don't watch it. Um, maybe when you come of age, you should watch it. Um, yes. But it is incredibly powerful, incredibly moving, um, despite its flaws. And uh, I think Andrew Day is absolutely incredible in the role of Billy Holiday. Um, also, if you wanted to know what that book that I was talking about what actually is called and who it's by, it's called Entangled Life, How Fungi Make Our Worlds, Change Our Minds and Shape Our Futures um, by Merlin Sheldrake. It is a really good read and uh, I highly recommend it. Um, and I also <laughs> highly recommend uh, The United States versus Billy Holiday, available on Hulu or on... Sky, Sky Cinema. Cinema. <laughs> <laughs>
So it's now time for our fourth review on week 54 and we will be reviewing a documentary called Pele. This documentary tells the story of the greatest footballer to have ever played the beautiful game. Tracing the Brazilian's unique journey from 16-year-old prodigy to becoming the only player to ever win three World Cups. Pele is more than just a documentary portrait of sporting greatness. It's also the story of Brazil in the 1960s as the country went from basking in Pele's global fame to experiencing a period of political turmoil and dictatorship. And I believe, Craig, you're going to kick us off this review of Pele. Um, I certainly am. Um, as we were, you were saying, um, or you may have mentioned, um, we don't normally review a, a documentary film on on this podcast, but it is still, nonetheless, a movie um, and one that I thought would be a, a good one to watch um, on the back yeah. of the fact that um, I did see in the cinema... And I don't think we reviewed on the main show for various reasons, not because that I didn't want to review it on the show, but because we didn't have a show that came out in that period. And it was the Diego Maradona documentary film, yes, which was incredible um, for a film about a footballer. Um, I was absolutely blown away by it. And yep. it told a story that I hadn't known before. So upon seeing the fact that Pele had his story being told and it was set in a time in Brazil when uh, things went from um, a, a beautiful country that was uh, a democracy that then uh, turned into a, a, a communist, communist? No, it wasn't a communist. It was a dictatorship. Um, that's more of what I was looking for there. Um, <laughs> it was, it was in fact, um, uh, a dictatorship and the, the fear and the, um, the, nature of the way the country felt during that yes. time came through in uh, in bucket loads in this movie and it it's a it's a sort of part of the why I picked this was because it was Pele isn't unknown to me in some instances I know oh, wow. that he is one of the greatest footballers of all time I know that he won more world cups than any other footballer ever did I know that he's a huge massive goal scorer um, one that I think is actually still a bit rival to this day. Yes, and I believe. You know, he is a man that inspired a lot of people, but the things that I didn't know was the backdrop of what his career was, was lying upon, and that's mm. the Brazil that I didn't know about. And this informed me, and it was the fact that it was told through Pelé's own story um, and him talking to camera about his story really did intrigue me. And that is where the Diego Maradona story obviously differs. Um, Diego Maradona's story um, and the documentary is he follows, um, there was a crew during the time of his uh, career that followed him around recording literally everything. Mm. Um, and it goes behind the scenes, all of the drug addiction, all of that sort of stuff. So that, there's a very diff a large difference in, in quality of film in that instance. Mm. What did you think of the film? I'm, I am intrigued to know what, how you felt about it. You are actually quite a big footballer, f football fan, aren't you? 
yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge. Well, I say I'm a football fan. I support Sunderland, so it comes yeah. with <laughs> that. Comes with the uh, the many downsides of of supporting that 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 club. Um, so I went into this documentary, obviously knowing about Pele, knowing that he inspired more than a generation. He inspired a country, um, knowing that he was one of the probably the best man to ever kick a football. His his skill, his ability, the way he would just similar to you know modern day players like ronaldo or going back a bit further maybe someone like george best his ability to almost have the ball stuck to his foot and weave past people mm. but what i didn't know was the background he came from and it was truly fascinating actually to in the early part of the the documentary to to find out he actually shined shoes as a youngster um when his father got injured and couldn't play football he took it upon himself to go out and shine shoes to make money for the family mm. and to go from shining shoes to be- becoming um he wasn't a footballer. He was a national institution. Like he was, you know, everyone would, it says in the documentary, when anyone said Brazil, people would go Pele. Um, and it was a fascinating insight. And, and I really, I made in my notes, I, I really like the start of the documentary. What happens is you see, um, there's this huge wide open room where they're interviewing Pele. Um, and you actually see him come into the middle of this room on a Zimmer frame. Um, and as soon as he sits down, he sort of throws this Zimmer frame away. And I think there's no coincidence that the director kept that in because that shows Pele what kind of man he was. He was a fighter. He was determined. He's still, you know, that person today. He's now 80 years of age. Um, I found the the insight into Brazil as a, as a footballing nation, uh, really, really interesting. Um, so the, the documentary quite early on has a flashback to 1950 when Brazil lost two, one to Uruguay in the final. Um, and it touches upon, um, the impact that that had on Brazil as a nation and, yeah. and how the whole country would be similar to, for those of us, for those of you who are listening in the UK, when there's a world cup here, I don't know, Craig, if you get into it, but everyone watches oh, yeah. it. Um, your flags are out, your barbecues are on, your beers are in the fridge. You know, it, it can unite a nation. And I'm hoping that the Euros this year should have been Euros 2020, but the European Championships, where the final is going to be in Wembley, hopefully that can have a real uniting spirit um, for this nation. But it yeah. touches upon the 1958 World Cup in Sweden, the 1962 World Cup in Chile, um, obviously the 66 World Cup in England, which was won by England, um, the politics, the dictatorship. Um, but just, that's, that's where... Just fascinating. Yeah, but that's where the story gets very interesting for me because Pelé is held in such high regard. He is a hero, but his stance in, in the world of politics never changed and for me it's difficult because his voice was one that was heard Mm. he could possibly have made a difference in speaking out about the dictatorship but there was always fear i think on his part that if he did that he would be taken away and targeted and you know and and never to be seen again. Yes. I mean, but could they do that? Because he's such um you know, he's such a person that's on 
a huge platform people know him like if something mm. if he just suddenly disappeared there would be huge amount of outcry but it's it's difficult because you have um they touch upon um uh, other notable people at, of that time and how in america they were talking out yes and the fact that you know he his ability to speak out in america was easier because Absolutely, there was no yeah. fear. I mean, there probably was some fear, but you know, Pele's position is, you know, it's it's difficult, isn't it? You know, and 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 that person that I'm referring to is Muhammad Ali. Before yes, you know, people course, yeah. people are wondering who it might have been, but um, you know, I think I think Pele is a hero, and I think he is an exquisite football player, um, and. I do think perhaps from watching this documentary, I do feel like he, he should have spoken out. Um, but at the same time, did you feel like there was too much politics going running through the film? And did it detract from what you wanted to know about Pele? Or was it actually a, a very good insight into the country that this man came from? Um, well, two points. Firstly, I don't think the politics detracted from it. I think it enhanced it. Good, me too. Um, because... You know, for example, Pele was pressured, seriously pressured by the government to actually play in the 1970 World Cup. Um, and to go back to your first point about why Pele didn't speak out, of course, those um, black people in America who were speaking out at the time, there was tremendous fear, but the fear was of assassination. The fear in Brazil was not of assassination, but it was of being tortured. And they touched upon that in this documentary, that the government wouldn't necessarily kill people, but it would torture them. Mm. I don't know if you if you got that, because that was quite a key... I think, yeah, their disappearance, um, obviously what's going to happen to them is they're not... Are they dead or, or, or could they be um, treated differently in terms mm. of being tortured? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I did realise I did realise that, but it's... It's um, you know, it is it is it is difficult because you know assassination versus torture. torture. Mm. Um, you know the fears are the same in some instances. Like it's fear of being. Well, it's it's pain, isn't it? At the end yeah. of the day, and and putting your yourself through something to 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 for change. And Pele mm. didn't do that, whereas other people put themselves through something to 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 change for for change muhammad ali being one of those yeah. and it you know that you know i i don't want to talk badly of pele mm. and his actions it's something he can't change now but he could admit that maybe he did do something he should have done something but he didn't he still to this day believes what he did was yeah. the right thing and i think there are some journalists within the film that were talking and some of them believe that actually it was the wrong step to have yeah. made, but you know, you can only go on your own gut instincts and you can't change the past to some instances, but you can reflect on it. Yeah. I think the interesting thing I got from this documentary about Pele was that he was always politically neutral. Um, and that really he, football was, was his everything. And he was, he was, he was very, very much focused on the game. Mm. Whereas other, you, you think of, for me, sport and politics should be 
I don't want to say kept apart, but I'm I'm a bit sick of modern day footballers or modern day people of influence getting involved in politics. Um, but at this time, Pele had a platform, and maybe, like you say, maybe he could have used that platform to speak out. But like I said, there was always that fear of of being tortured, but or you know going missing, like you said, being being killed. Um, would they have done that to Pele? You know, we can't rewrite history. We don't know. Mm. Um, but I thought it was amazing that particular part where he was pressured by the government to play in the World Cup in 1970. Um, and the the pressure that he felt, um, he actually said, and I quote, it was for the nation, not for the sport that World Cup in 1970. Brazil played Italy in the final and Brazil win in 1970. And we see amazing archival footage of the people of Brazil in this time of political turmoil coming together and being united by sport. And he won three World Cup Cups, Craig. Now, that to you may just be like, okay, fair enough. But for, for a single player to win one World Cup is incredible. No, no, but, I agree. Like, I, 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 yeah. I might not be the biggest football fan, but I do love a good World Cup. And, and yeah, it's incredible for him to have played in that many World Cups, first of yeah. all, and then have won three of them. That incredible. Tremendous. You look at the modern greats of Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi in terms of World Cups. They they haven't achieved that that uh, that feat. Um, but overall, I thought it was a fascinating insight into Pele the man. I thought it was a fascinating insight into Pele the national institution. I thought the political back backdrop worked really really well and like I say I couldn't help but think of the Euros coming up this summer and the power this tournament if it's safe could have in really picking this nation up on the back of this Covid pandemic. Absolutely. Um, things to note, this is a Netflix original documentary. So this is available worldwide on Netflix right now. Um, and also, I think it's also worth pointing out that uh, we've come to the end of our review, I think. <laughs> <laughs> David Pele, uh, is it worth it? Look, if you like football, then Pele is 100% worth it. If you don't like football, Pele is 100% worth it. It's a really great documentary. It's on Netflix. Give it a watch. You'll learn a lot from it. Yeah. Craig, for you, Pele, <laughs> is it worth it? Yes, Pele is definitely worth a watch. But I would like to pose one more question to you. Um, okay. How did you watch this film? Did you have audio described on or were you watching with subtitles? Subtitles. Yes. Now, I I prefer to watch with subtitles, but I found it very difficult because I I switched between audio described because audio described seemed to have the most accurate translation. There were some scenes in there that um, didn't translate quite so well. Um, and I noticed because there was a part where it was they was doing an interview in German and, and Charis had come in to watch some of it with me. And she was mm. like, that's not what they're saying. So I didn't trust the subtitles quite so much. Um and I switched to between audio described and it did detract a little bit from my viewing of the movie because some of the subtitles just didn't make sense to me Yeah, from what was being said. But otherwise, I, I think it's a fantastic film. Um, <laughs> if you speak uh, Brazilian, give it a listen um, because you'll be able to understand what's being said because obviously I don't speak, um, is it Portuguese? It is, isn't it? It's either Portuguese or Spanish. Forgive me. I, I don't I, know. I'm not sure either. I'm so sorry, guys. Um, but either way, if you, you said can, Brazilian, <laughs> yeah, Brazilian. Um, if you, if you, um, I mean, what, what am I saying? Like, if you can uh, 
you know, subtitles or audio described, watch it um, and let us know whether you thought it was worth it as well. Uh, so yeah, that was our review of Pele. <laughs> Woeful ending. <laughs> <laughs> So our penultimate review on week 54 is coming to America. And this is set in the lush and royal country of Zamunda. Newly crowned King Akeem, played by Eddie Murphy, and his trusted confidant Semi embark on an all-new adventure that has them traversing the globe from their great African nation to the borough of Queens, New York, where it all began. Uh, We do have a little clip lined up, so why not sit back, relax, and take a look or listen. That's the last surprise. Hey, what's up, y'all? Hi, what's up, Sam? <laughs> look, I'm gonna hug you because I'm a hugger. Hey, Quang. I'm sorry I slept with your man. What is going on here? Oh, children. Children, I would love for you to meet your brother. And my name is Mary. How you doing? Just call me your second mom. But you really don't have to, girls. I mean, but you should, though, because I kind of am. Well, look at us. Just one... Big, happy, Zamundan American, aristocratic, blended family. Ah, just like the Kardashians. <laughs> so that was a clip from Coming to America. Um, a bizarre clip, but a clip that sort of summarises the film. Um, and I'll give you a brief summary. What happens? Well, Eddie Murphy's character finds out that he has uh, a child um, in in back in America who is fundamentally the heir to the throne. They have rules in Zamunda which say that a woman can't sit on the throne. So it's of great interest to Eddie Murphy when he finds out he has this child in America and he goes back to, to find this child. Um, and I found the introduction quite good to this film. I thought it had a fast pace um, and it engaged me. Um, but what I will say is I went into this film having not watched a trailer, thankfully. I still haven't watched a trailer, so I can't tell you how much of the trailer gives away how, you know elements of the film. But I have to say the 1988 original Coming to America is one of my favourite comedies. I think... It's hilarious. I think Eddie Murphy gives multiple brilliant performances and it's a bit of a cult classic. Therefore, I was somewhat terrified to watch this because I did have great, great concerns about this movie. And in many ways, my concerns came to fruition in the sense that, you know, there are parts of this film that are incredibly funny uh, and Eddie Murphy is Eddie Murphy, but it's not a knee slapper um, and many jokes <laughs> do fall flat. Um, and before I bring Craig in, because I know he's got some quite strong opinions about this movie. What I would say is that unfortunately it feels very outdated and very out of place. So yes, it, it feels to me like a movie that was, it looks crisp and the the cinematography and the the actual imagery was so sharp like it looked it really popped off the screen um i don't know what cameras it were used but it was very vivid and colorful you know what david it doesn't really matter let me finish um 
but so it looked like it was shot in 2021 Eddie Murphy was clearly from 2021, but the humour felt like it was from the late 80s, early 90s. No. And that is one of the problems of this film. No. No? No. No. So the problem that we have with this film is that it wasn't needed. We did not need a sequel to the first film. I I actually watched this film first. I watched yeah. the sequel first, and I was really disappointed in watching it. I thought all the jokes were poor i thought the fact that they were trying to bring it into the 21st century by you know having this uh plot that women are not allowed to take the throne you know all of the backwards stuff that you know you are you know you'd probably expect to have seen from the 1980s film when eddie murphy comes back from america and is actually from the first one, which I did actually go and watch and I thought was absolutely brilliant. Um, although I do have a few bones to pick with that one. But but when he, but when he <laughs> goes, in the first one, he goes to America in search of finding his true bride, somebody that he can actually fall in love with. Yes. Now, he's already forward thinking in the first film. When we come and meet him in the second film, to begin with, he is still somewhat forward thinking, but nothing yeah. has changed. Yeah. So they true. are still stuck in the 80s they are still stuck in 1988 in their politics etc and you would have thought eddie murphy being the prince that he was marrying somebody from outside of africa um some marrying somebody who is not the typical person a chosen bride for him that he's breaking the mold and changing the the society of which he lives in and there was that even though it was a comedy the first one it actually was very poignant in what it was trying to say and what it was doing this film doesn't need to have that things should have changed we would have i would have liked to have seen them actually showcasing the things that had changed and Mm. making light of that situation somehow now may, may not have been entertaining so is this film really needed? And it even says so in yeah. the film, which is the, you've got this written down, haven't you? You've got yes. the quote. Tell me what the quote is, David. So there's, there's a, there's a, there's a very, very funny scene where two of our main characters are talking about what each other like and they get onto films. Um, and there's a really funny joke actually in there about Zamundan cinema, 30% on rotten papayas, um, <laughs> which, <laughs> which really made me laugh, but they actually, they actually say, I'm not making this up. They actually say this in coming to America. This is true about sequels. If anything is good, why ruin it? They actually say that quote in this film. I think they take it a bit further than that as well. And they do say like, uh, they basically allude that this is actually not a very good sequel. Basically. They, they, they do. If you, if you displayed more of that quote there, it basically would connotate that. And you know what it the 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 film feels dated in the sense that it is stuck in 1988 still but the mm. jokes from the 1988 one actually land and they are funny and it doesn't it it's actually doesn't feel dated yeah because it's a different kind of culture shock because we're coming from africa to america mm. now this film isn't coming to america for the culture shock it's coming from america why wasn't this called coming from america not coming to america it makes no sense and the fact that our fish out of water 
was Eddie Murphy in the first one. Our new protagonist, our son of Eddie Murphy here, has come to Zumunda and he has to experience that culture shock. But we don't get that. We just get this over-the-top dancing. You get this over-the-top singing and... I don't know, it it didn't have the same impact that the first one had at all, yeah. at all. Like the whole point of coming to America is the prince seeing what life could be like mm. in a society that has progressive, progressive politics, progressive, a pro- progressive society. Why have we gone backwards in this one? Why? I don't understand it. And and I think it's a really in poor taste, this film, in 2021. Despite the fact that they try to rectify it at the end, they still didn't have the women in the film having uh, the female empowerment that they really needed. They did have bits, but yeah. why weren't they the main part of this film why couldn't they have had more of an impact more of a say the queen in this film or not the queen but you know future queen shall we say i don't want to spoil anything um she had way more to say in the first film in this film she uh, she just didn't have much to say much to say at all No. no and the whole point is that she educates eddie murphy further the problems i had with the first one was the ending um yeah there's just this sudden cut and she appears and they're getting married. Um, and it just ended. Mm. Thought that was bizarre. But the whole build up to it, the whole romance, the whole the whole lot of that first film is is brilliant and hilarious and so well done. This film, for me, I, I mean, if we had the jingle for it, it would have it would have it, David. The trumpet. It would have the trumpet. Oh, it would have I, the trumpet. One hundred percent. I don't know if this is trumpet worthy. No, no, it is trumpet worthy. I'm not sure about that. It is. Um, it is. What I would say is, I did prefer the second half to the first half of the film. Um, I think the second half was, for me, was no, less pro- wrong. Yes. The first half was way better because no, I disagree. It started off with great promise, and then I, the second half failed to make on those promises i mean i admit some of the character development is strange the character arc of eddie murphy's wife um the 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 queen of zamunda um is somewhat bizarre and it's lavelle johnson who's played by jermaine fowler who comes from america to zamunda and I his character arc is interesting. He gets you know he gets a haircut and he gets educated about Zamundan life and values, but it, it all feels it, it it doesn't feel right. Something feels wrong about this film, but at the same time, there were some horrendously funny, horrendously incredibly funny moments. Like I did laugh out loud at a number of occasions. Um, the second time they went to the barber, I don't know what you thought about those four Eddie Murphy characters in the barber. I, you know what? The, they were funny in the first one. There was no need to have them again. Mm. Um, they came, they went back to America a couple of times. Like it wasn't needed. Like honest, honest, honestly, David. Honestly, the funniest part was when James Earl Jones was <laughs> on his deathbed. 
uh, well, I, that, that, I mean, that was dark humour there. That was dark um, humour and it was funny and it actually, it worked in the setting of this film in terms of it, it being a plot device. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I, I'm not saying this is a good film, but this isn't a bad film. This is a very... No, it is, it is. It's not a bad film. It it's is. a run-of-the-mill film and it's, it's a not. film... It's a film that didn't need to be made. I'll agree with you there. Like, but we know why it's been made because it's a cash cow. It's going to make money. Is, Is it? A, well, you would think. Well, I mean, not one. It's on Amazon Prime, right? It's an Amazon Prime original. The only reason it would make money is if it brings in Prime subscriptions, which it might. Which it might. But if the reviews are to be believed, and they should be, um, this isn't worth watching but what is worth watching is the first one if you haven't seen the first one which i hadn't um and i went into the first film um on the back of watching the sequel yeah i can tell you now the first film is a absolute brilliant comedy it really really is and it's also it's and and it's a revelation in the sense that there is a large black cast. Yeah. But the second film pushes it further in the sense that the majority of castings are all black. That's the only thing that I can praise it for. I can't praise it anymore because I, I just didn't think any of the jokes were really that funny. Um, I, it just... It, why? I just don't understand why would you remake it other than the money and i think i don't think that's a good enough reason because it spoils the second the first film it spoils it i don't think it ruins the first one it does um i I don't think it ruins the first one i think if you having watched both of them and having been a huge fan of the original if you said if i was god and you said to me david coming to america yes or no I would say, no, don't make the sequel. Just leave the original. Well, how Having would you said have to be God? Why can't you just be an executive producer at Amazon? Well, I don't know. I went, I went a bit over the top. But I'm in control of everything. So, um, But do you know what I mean? The, the point I'm saying is I, I wouldn't have made this film. But having said that, I still think, and we'll get onto it in the question, don't get me wrong, I'm saying this is disappointing. Uh-huh. I'm saying this is a very average film. Uh-huh. But it's not a terrible film. It's not a trumpet-worthy film. Definitely not. Um, I have to disagree with you on that 100%. I think this is one of the worst films I've watched since... Well, look behind you, David. Look behind yes. you. Holmes and Watson. Holmes and Watson. It, I'm sorry, Craig. Dear listener, Craig, he was talking about mushrooms earlier. One can only assume he's eaten some. This um, is... I, I, I don't, don't try and undermine <laughs> me in, in, in what I'm trying to say. It I'm does not annoying not, you. It, Oh, it is. Do not try and say that Magic Munch Mushrooms have influenced my opinion on a terrible <laughs> film. If anything, Magic Mushrooms would have enhanced the viewing of this vivid-natured film yeah. and actually okay. probably made me laugh. The, the the point is, this film did not need to be made. It did not have a very good story. The plot was terrible. The the the, the story, the whole title is wrong. It should be coming from America because mm. they spend two minutes in America. Really, the, the the scenes that they have in America are brought back because they were some of the best in the original. Yeah, and they do have original footage in there as well. No, they don't have any original footage really in there. The 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 scene that in one of the scenes in question is uh, de aging Eddie Murphy, um, and you know what? It's 
it's it's in, in appalling taste really when we're supposed to be progressive um they've got one foot in the progressive one foot in the non-progressive and um they make a real hash of it i really believe they do i really believe they do and i think i think we must ask questions now okay um craig for you coming to america is it worth it no do not watch this sequel watch the first one and watch the first one again straight away after and it can act like a sequel because you will uncover new things in that film once you've watched it um, another time because there's always something different that happens that you can sometimes see with fresh eyes from the second time um unfortunately that didn't happen for me when i watched coming to america for a second time mm. it actually made me hate it even more uh david oh, wow. coming to america is it worth it so overall, this is a film that can do nothing but make you feel a little bit disappointed. Um, strange character development, a weak screenplay and somewhat outdated comedy leave you feeling sad that this film was made. It's not a bad film, folks. It's not as bad as Craig says, but at the yeah, same yes, time... It is. But at the same time, it falls dramatically short of its 1988 original. Watch the 1988 original... And I would say also watch Coming to America. It's, it's just about worth a watch. <laughs> so our next film is Flora and Ulysses. Disney's Flora and Ulysses is a comedy adventure based on the Newbury Award-winning book about 10-year-old Flora, an avid comic book fan and self-avowed cynic whose parents have recently separated. After rescuing a squirrel she names Ulysses, Flora is amazed to discover he possesses unique superhero powers which take them on, on an adventure that ultimately change Flora's life and her outlook forever. We do have a clip lined up, so let's take a look. Did you type this? Do not hope. Observe. Terrible things can happen to you made it very clear that hope can get in the way of action. A true cynic has no luxury for hope, only observation. Ulysses, can you understand me? Holy Bagumba! Can you talk? Okay, that's not really talking, but still! I knew it! The vacuum made you a superhero. It sucked up an unassuming squirrel and spit out a Ulysses. That was a clip from Flora and Ulysses, which is now available to stream on Disney+. And you know what? What an uplifting film this actually was. I I, I thought Matilda Lawler, who plays Flora in this film, was absolutely brilliant. She is a ray of sunshine. Now, this, this film isn't going to be for everybody. Um, mostly people in their 30s who, um, like myself, probably shouldn't really appeal to me. But it actually does because I, 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 it's not a film I'd usually pick, but I, I felt myself being quite uplifted in the sense that, you know, we're all going through quite difficult times at the minute. But this this film shows us that there are uh, things still happening in the world that entertain and um, bring light to our lives. And young Matilda is certainly one um, I thoroughly enjoyed watching her perform as Flora in this film. 
saying that, Ulysses was quite good as well, even though he's a CGI <laughs> character. Um, I thought um, the way that they actually brought Ulysses to life, okay, it's not quite the best CGI ever. You know it's mm. CGI, but actually the way they managed to interact with each other, um, I thought was really, really Brilliant, actually. Um, Alison Hannigan, uh, Alison Hannigan also stars in the film, best known for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, um, and um, what's the one about your mum? I forgot. <laughs> Not your mum. My mum. Not what? your mum. Um, uh, um, How I Met Your Mother. There you go. That one. Oh yes, of course. Sorry, I, I wondered where the hell you were going yeah. then. Not your mum. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. But yes, no. I, uh, I, I a joyous film. Really, really, really is. Um, David, what are your thoughts? I mean, I th- again, I think we're going to disagree. I think you're getting a bit carried away with Flora and Ulysses. Really? I, yeah. It's I mean, better than I th- coming to America. I, well, we will have, um, I don't know. It's, it's a very <laughs> different film um, to coming to America. Um, an interesting fact, actually, um, the cinematography was done by Andrew Dunn, who also did the cinematography for the United States versus Billie Holiday. Um, yeah. Just a little, a little bit of uh, um, trivia for you there. Um, what did I think of Flora and Ulysses? Well, I went in knowing nothing about it, and I mean absolutely nothing. The name didn't give me anything away. I knew it was on Disney+. Plus. Um, I hadn't watched the trailer, and it starts with this squirrel, as Craig says, this... I think very effective CGI squirrel. It's it's very apparent that it's CGI, but it works. Being sucked up by a Hoover called Ulysses, hence the name the squirrel gets, and it comes out of the um, the Hoover and is resuscitated by Matilda Lawless' character, who, by the way, is very very good. That was in my notes. I thought her performance was was really commendable, and 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 she's one to watch out for. Um, and then there's these very effective switches between regular footage and comic book strips um which really sort of pops off the screen um it's it's quite a well-paced film i must confess i did much prefer the second half to the first half um i did struggle with the first half and i struggled a little bit to get into it but it's definitely a family film and the good thing about this film is it's very fun light-hearted and funny-ish um, and I say ish because the humour is designed for children, in my opinion. Whereas what is actually designed for adults in this film is some of the some of the messaging in there. There's some very profound undertones in this film, and there's quite a lot of meat on the bone. Um, one of the quotes that I wrote down in my notes was: "The hardest thing about having hope is watching the people who don't." Like that quote is in this film and what you'll get is if you watch, if you sit down and watch this as a family, the kids will love the animated squirrel. The kids will love the childish humor, but the adults will actually appreciate the, the sentiment behind it, the messaging behind it. Yeah, definitely. I, th- I thought it was a very, very solid film. I wouldn't say I was blown away by it. I wouldn't say it's, you know, some of Disney's best work. Um, but I was I was presently surprised by it. It's got about an hour and thirty minute running time. It's very very watchable. Um, 
yeah, a, a solid film. No. Not as good as Craig is saying. No, you know what? I, I, I like your review there, David. And I do think you've just oh, given, thank you. you've given a better review for this film than you did for Coming to America. And I, it, it is better than Coming to America. Yes, it's a very different film. But you know what? It's a highly more enjoyable film to have watched because I was just cringing a lot of the time whilst watching Coming to America. Mm. You say it yourself. It's a brilliant family movie. And it has... All of the substance for the adults. Yes, definitely. And it has all of the substance for what a child needs and wants in a, in a, in a Disney movie. And I think adults that are into comic book movies as well will actually really quite enjoy this because it does reflect on where, you know, these this film comes from. And that is from Marvel stuff. You know, that even is brought to us at the beginning. Spider-Man, you know, all of those characters are at the beginning of this film Disney obviously owned them, but I mean that be, might be why. But it, you know, for those people that are um, have children and they want them to someday get into watching films such as Iron Man, Spider Man, and all of those mm. films, I think this is a good introduction to a superhero kind of film, but with with decent moral um, obligations for an adult to show their child if you know what i mean they, you know it's it's fun it's entertaining and it um it gets everyone together to watch a movie um it's definitely aimed at the younger ch- children i think mm. as well um but but yeah like i said matilda she was brilliant i i really can't um, you know give her a better review i thought she was really really good well yeah i think you've you've hit the nail on the head there um you don't have anything else to say, really, do you? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'll be honest. I think it's, it's not a film where you can take a real dive into. It, it is what it is, um, and what it is is a pretty good film. It's solid. It is solid. Yeah, and I think there are a lot of families out there that would like to know that this film is whether or not sorry it's going to be worth it. Um, would you be able to enlighten us, David? Flora and Ulysses, is it worth it? Yes, look, this is definitely worth a watch. It's available on Disney Plus. If you've got Disney Plus and you've got a family, why not check it out? There's plenty of comedy in there for the children. There's a lovely little animated squirrel, which is very, <laughs> very cute. Um, and also, there is very, very profound moments, and I really do mean that. So that's why, as an adult, I could engage with this film. It had some real profound commentary about life and the meaning of life and family and relationships. And some of I- it from a squirrel. And some of it from, yeah, well, the squirrel is quite talented. It's one of his superpowers is poetry. And I thought Craig would quite enjoy that. He's a, he is a poet at heart. So, yeah, for me, Flora and Ulysses, surprisingly, is, is, is worth it. Definitely. Um, this is the part where I forget to ask Craig the question, um, which I just did. Um, so I'll cover my mistake by saying, Craig, Flora and Ulysses, is it worth it? <laughs> yes, definitely worth a watch. If you have Disney+, Plus, I think um, get together with as many people as you possibly can, younger and older, um, and give it a watch. Um, obviously, COVID restrictions obviously in place. Um, yeah, but but if you have course. Disney+, Plus, and so do they, you can obviously do that really cool screen watching thing. You can press press play and the other one's screen goes and press plays uh, whatever i'm saying is at the correct. same time yeah yes it all goes at the same time um yeah no I, I look it's a good piece of cinema entertainment um one that will it won't set the ground alight david it won't it won't no it's it's solid it's not gonna 
set anything alight. But no. it is definitely a very, very solid movie and I was really thoroughly entertained whilst watching it. Um, and uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, is our review of Flora and Ulysses. <laughs> Thank you for listening to week 54 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. As part of our continued efforts to bring you lots of content, we're working with as many of the major studios as possible to bring you reviews of the latest movies. Oh yes, and uh, while lockdown persists in the UK and the cinemas remain closed, we thank the support of our listeners, the studios and our fabulous team. And just like the gaming bear, if you've got a review of a film or just some insight to what you've been watching, we'd love to hear. Drop us a line at mymailisworthit at isitworthitpodcast.com and I'll say it again, mymailisworthit at isitworthitpodcast.com You can follow us on the social medias at Film Is Worth It on Twitter and search for Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. Yes, yes, just like last time I said, YouTube. If you want to see our (laughs) most handsome and exquisite faces, uh, then YouTube is for you. We're uploading the individual (laughs) reviews to YouTube for those who want very specific content at a very specific time and very quickly. And if you're listening online through the website... Yes, through the website, that is something you can do if, you, if you're not doing that in a minute. Um, you can also subscribe to the podcast using Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, um, and basically all good podcasting apps. Uh, you know, great whilst you're on those long car journeys. Something I said last week, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you know what? Soon we'll be able to jump in those cars and uh, listen to Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. Yes, and on a final note, if you've enjoyed listening, please share the podcast with your friends and family. And if you enjoyed us, if you enjoyed us even more and you want to support us even further than the Patreon support page is the next step. I had to say it really fast because the music's now finished. Um, follow us, follow the link in the description of this week's episode or head to the Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash is it worth it podcast. Um, that has brought us to the end of the show. Even the music's gone. It was, a, it, uh, we've, we've, <laughs> we did a great job, but the music ran out. It did. It did. Oh, we can't ever do anything right on this ending. So we? we can end with, he's been Craig Fields. And he's been David Long. And this has been, is it worth it? The film review, review pod- podcast. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Goodbye. Good move.